Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Holy God, it is with grateful hearts that we've gathered today as we find ourselves again on the cusp of another holiday season, asking that you would prepare our hearts to receive the good news of the Christ child, to wait with patience for his return. May you speak through today's scriptures, may you speak through my words in spite of my words, may you speak through songs of worship and moments of fellowship and prayer, may you speak to us as we gather again at your sacred table. All of these opportunities have been given to us by your grace, through your love, for our good, and for that we give thanks. Amen. The headline reads, there will be no Christmas lights in Bethlehem this year. This is an image taken from the cover story for Christianity Today earlier this week. Christianity Today and other news outlets have reported similar stories. There will be no Christmas celebrations in Bethlehem this year. In this particular case, the Church of the Nativity is empty. You can see a small child there with a balloon inflated, presumably on a ribbon around their wrist, a Santa Claus, but nothing else there to decorate the space. I want to read some of the details with you. The the article sounds like this. It says, In solidarity with the suffering in Gaza due to the ongoing war, Christian leaders and authorities decided to cancel all public festivities. For the first time since these modern celebrations, the birthplace of Jesus will not be decorated this year. The decision came during this most recent week. Patriarchs, heads of churches, agreed to refrain from the unnecessarily festive Christmas activities. Quote, due to thousands killed, we continue to pray for peace, and we will only hold traditional services and devotionals celebrating the meaning of Christmas. The Christmas holidays, we remember the birth of Jesus Christ, comes upon us while we were in the midst of human tragedy that is ravaging our region. So in obedience to the word of God and in line with other churches and with other Christian communities, we will limit our Christmas celebrations and ceremonies this year. Now that article and particularly that image struck me as we began this holy season ourselves in such a comfortable and beautiful and calm place gathered for worship. We remember, of course, places like Israel and Gaza, You may be continuing to follow news out of Ukraine and Russia, Sierra Leone, Myanmar, places that are ravaged by war and chaos and fear. And perhaps it is thinking of those places that we could help to think more clearly about Advent and what this holiday season means to us. We often begin this month of December, this season of Advent, by turning to the Old Testament prophets. And of course we do so because the Old Testament prophets, whether it's Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Amos or or Micah, they they all have a, a similar message to tell, right? That the world is not as it should be, that part of the problem in the world is our own sin and shortcomings, and we wait and we hope for God's victory, for God's salvation. You heard Sarah read just a moment ago from from Isaiah 64, and while these are the the sort of lessons I want to draw out of the Isaiah text, it could be taken from many other texts in the Old Testament. 
as we see a consistent pattern. In this case, Isaiah 64, uh, we've talked a little bit about Isaiah in here before, Isaiah kind of broadly in three chunks. This middle chunk has to do with uh, the time of, of Babylonian takeover and exile. And so we read from the prophets in those days this sort of crying out and this frustration and this lament. And so as you were hearing Sarah read the text, as you were following along there on the screen or in your own bulletin, you heard Isaiah say, and I want you to hear the sort of anguish in these words, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. I want you to hear that, not with a, a sense of optimism or a sense of, of enthusiasm. Uh, this isn't a, a praise song of celebration. Uh, Isaiah is sort of crying out for the sake of, of all of the people in the, in the community that, that the world is broken that the Babylonian exile has done great damage to them and their community and to their families. And so I want you to hear Isaiah's writing and Isaiah's preaching with, with sort of tears in his eyes, right? Oh, that you would come down. In other words, a prayer to God saying, God, the, the world is broken and, and it's nasty and awful and, and, and this experience we're in the middle of now in, in exile, but, but in other similar times and throughout our history, oh God, we, we, are, we are at the end of our own resources. We can't fix this thing ourselves. There's so much that's beyond our control. And so Isaiah prays, oh, that you would come down. I want you to kind of hear the honesty in Isaiah's prayer, right? What Isaiah is saying is, get down here, Lord. Get down here and fix this. This is beyond our repair, and we need you. We need you to come down and shake the mountains. We need you to, to put fear in your adversaries. We need you to come and set things right. Oh, that you would come down. We can imagine some of our um, brothers and sisters, other Christian communities around the world in much more difficult circumstances than our own. You can imagine them praying a similar prayer as Isaiah. God, come and fix this mess we're in. We need you. Now, Isaiah continues. He, he does this kind of nifty thing that preachers do, right? Look at how broken the world is. Look at what a mess it is out there. Look at how terrible the, the adversaries of God are behaving. Sort of Isaiah builds up the momentum about everything that's happening out there, but then sort of turns the tables there in the middle. For we have all become like those who are unclean. For we all have become like those who are unclean. And so Isaiah reminds these hearers and, and reminds God, it's not just the, the brokenness that's out there. It's not just the foreign powers and authorities. It's not just Babylon, but, but we are part of the problem. Isaiah continues, he says, we, we try to do righteous deeds, but it just turns out to be a filthy cloth. Right? And we're selfish, and we're vengeful, and we're hurtful, and... Gosh, the brokenness that's out there is awful, but just as awful as the brokenness that's in here. God, we are messed up and we are in need of some healing and salvation and some repair, some forgiveness and wholeness. Oh, that you would come down. Oh, that you would come to us. Now, like most good Old Testament prophets, Isaiah has done two things, right? He's, he's talked about the concerns outside of the community of faith, the brokenness of the world, all that's happening out there that we see on the news. Now he's reminded his hearers that there are just as many concerns within the community of faith, that the, the brokenness of the world includes us, that we are sinful, that we're part of the problem. And then finally, but we remember that you are our Father, 
that we are like clay, that you are like a potter, and we invite you, O God, to come and deal with us gently and carefully with love and care. Please consider, please remember all of your people. So we go from lament and desperation about the brokenness of the world to confession about our own sin and shortcomings, and finally to this this little thread of, of prophetic hope. Not all is lost. God is still a God of, of love and care and forgiveness and healing. And, and despite the, the chaos that surrounds us, despite our own shortcomings, this is really our only hope. It's, it's really our only hope that God would come down and that God would mold us and shape us and remake us and gently form us into the people that God would have us to be. And so it is that we often begin Advent with the words from the Old Testament prophets who teach us what it means to wait, who remind us of this kind of threefold pattern that as we start this new season together and we take account of the world, we, we see all these things today. Oh, that you would come down, that you would end these wars and rumors of wars and pain and destruction. Oh, that you would come to us and heal us and make us whole. For God, you are our only hope. There is no other hope besides you and so we remember the generations of faithful people who have called on God and waited patiently on God's victory even in the midst of terrible circumstances now I always find it a little bit ironic if not difficult to preach this sermon because I myself am so bad at waiting so bad at waiting even in the fast food line right just this week Holden was with me he was there he was counseling me to calm down just this week we were hurrying between holiday activities and church activities I had two of the kids with me Jill had another one so I agreed to run through the drive-through line we like to eat real healthy in December and November ordered the burgers and the fries and the drinks the hot dog $25 I give her my card she gives me my card back she hands me the drinks and then she has the gall to say would you mind just pulling up a little bit and waiting around the corner man as soon as she said that I could feel my blood pressure start to rise you know waiting I've got two kids back here it's fast food it's not waiting food you know we pull around the corner one minute goes by Another minute goes by, another minute goes by, and I did that thing that people should never do. I, I got out of the car, right, and I went to knock on the window. What is taking so long? Mm. I don't know if you sense this, but waiting is just so unnatural to me. I mean, we have largely been deprogrammed from waiting. We've got fast food. We've got grocery scheduled pickup times. We've got anything and everything we could want to order from around the world. And then we get detailed delivery updates on our phone. I mean, the world is at our fingertips. We have control over so many things. And when we do occasionally have to wait, we've got our phones right there. We can check social media and our email and watch funny cat videos. I mean... This idea of being forced to stop and wait, it is not a natural thing. And furthermore, it makes my life seem so trivial, so trivial, compared to the sort of waiting that is going on in other places. As we were waiting on our fast food burgers and I was about to lose my mind, I was reminded in my heart that people show up to the Whit House an hour or an hour and a half early. 
I want you to just think about that. On Tuesday afternoons, we open at 4 or 4.30. We will have people lined up in our parking lot, 10, 12, 15 cars deep at 3 o'clock, waiting to get some free food, right, because they don't have enough to eat in their homes. Of course, when we think about the waiting, I, I'm thinking about all of the war-torn places in the world. I'm particularly thinking about the children in this holiday season. It should be a time of celebration and fun and joy. And yet they wake up every day to the sounds of bombs and guns and they see injuries firsthand and they know destruction that we have never known. So they are waiting in a way that most of us can't understand. Waiting on an end to turmoil and chaos and pain. We kind of see the words of Isaiah in the the mouths of people who who really understand desperation. And, And admittedly, many of us do not. And so this challenge that comes from Isaiah or that comes with the season of Advent, it's, it's particularly, uh, particularly a struggle for me to hear from Scripture, to hear from God, wait, wait and pay attention and stay awake for God will bring God's victory in God's time. Now, we always begin Advent um, with a visit from apocalyptic Jesus, right? Um, not our favorite Jesus, let's be honest, right? We like Jesus. It's calm and kind. He feeds the multitudes. He heals people, those who are in need. He, he provides some excellent sermon material in and, and different parts of the, the Gospels. But here he just sounds like one of those fanatical preachers. You can imagine the hearers in Jesus' day when he begins to give this apocalyptic sermon, this sermon about the, the future and what God will do. He says it'll be a, a scary time. The, the sky will change, the sun and the clouds and the moon, and you will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, and, and there will be people experiencing chaos in the world. And, and I'm promising you this will all happen before this generation passes away. This will happen in your lifetime, and, and therefore you need to be ready at all times. This isn't the Jesus we signed up for at Christmas. You know, what does this guy mean? Well, I'll remind you, when Jesus preaches in this way, he's, he's very much preaching in the vein of other apocalyptic, prophetic preachers in the scriptures. Isaiah sometimes sounds like this. Joel, the prophet Joel, sounds like this. The book of Daniel contains very similar preaching. So, so Jesus is kind of very much within the line of Jewish teaching and preaching. Now, this text raises lots of questions for people. What is Jesus talking about, right? <clears throat> what is this scene? When is this moment? How will we know? There's kind of three options, right? One thing that Jesus is probably talking about is his own death and resurrection, right? That the clouds will change, the sky will go dark, and and Jesus was put to death on a cross and buried, and then he was resurrected, eventually ascended into the, the clouds. He says these things will take place before this generation passes. So maybe Jesus is kind of talking in apocalyptic terms about his own ministry coming to an end and his own victory in the Easter celebration. Many people historically have read Mark 13 and other texts like it through the lens of the destruction of Jerusalem in 70. And so that's just a little history note for you. You may remember that there was a major Jewish uprising against Roman authorities, and Rome responded with power and might. They killed thousands of Jews. They took others into into slavery. They destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. And so the people who lived through the the destruction of the, the Jerusalem temple and the city in AD 70, they... They often think Jesus is talking about that, right? That that felt like the end of the world to them. 
And, and furthermore, these things will take place before this generation passes away. So that kind of fits in that timeline. Of course, also many people read this sermon as, as a prediction about the end of things, right? The end of the cosmos as we know it, the new heaven and the new earth, right? These things will pass away. The Son of Man will return on a cloud. That comes right out of the book of Daniel. Uh, maybe Jesus is talking about all three of those things a little bit. It's not entirely clear. That's kind of how apocalyptic preaching works. You talk in big, grandiose terms, and you kind of cast a vision for God's victory, but the details are still a little blurry. We might wonder exactly what it all means, but Jesus himself says, well, you will never know the day or the hour or the time. Not even the angels know. You shouldn't really worry about when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. You just need to stay awake and be ready. Stay awake and be ready. This is the opening message of the Advent season. To stay awake and be ready means to, in other words, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Whether you're the people in the Old Testament who are facing exile and destruction at the hands of Babylon, whether you're people in the Middle East who, who seem to always be experiencing war and turmoil, but a, a particular seasons of violence and destruction now, whether you're someone in northeast Arkansas who's experiencing hunger and looking for the next food pantry that might be open and able to serve you, whether you're people associated with their angel trees that are being prepared, the gifts that are being prepared in the back, or the work that was done by the foster care group here in our community, whatever moment you find yourself in, be alert, stay awake, be ready. Hold on to hope. God is your, your victory, and God's coming to you. Advent is the first day of the new church year. I know we just celebrated Thanksgiving and we're looking forward to Christmas, uh, but the church calendar works a little bit different, and the first Sunday of Advent is the, is the first day of the new year. And so beginning today, the, the church year starts over, and we start over by reminding ourselves of the place that we hold in this story. And the place that we hold in this story is this, this odd place that Christ has been resurrected and ascended and we are waiting on Christ to come again. That's where we are. And we begin the church year and we begin the Advent season reminding ourselves that. Now we say some version of that every Sunday in the Lord's Prayer, right? We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? We, we wait and hope for Christ's return. Uh, when we share in the Apostles' Creed, we talk about the one day that, that, that God will come again, that Jesus will come again to judge the, the living and the dead. And when we celebrate Holy Communion, right, we remember that we are enjoying this holy meal where Christ is present to us, but, but this is only a foretaste of Christ's final victory when we will all gather together at God's sacred table. And so we begin this season looking toward Christmas, but even more so looking toward the grand picture of our faith. Joining Isaiah in lamenting the brokenness of the world, confessing our own sin and shortcomings, but holding on to hope, staying awake, staying ready, holding on to the hope that comes through God in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to join me in a spirit of prayer as we prepare to share in Holy Communion. Holy God, we give thanks for the testimonies of hope in Scripture and all around us. We pray for the brokenness of the world, the communities that find themselves in immeasurable grief and heartache and pain and turmoil, including people here in our own community. God, may we be shaken up 
May Jesus wake us up to the good news of his reign and his coming. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hello. Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.